This is the Q-Dropped Podcast. Stories of relationships torn apart by QAnon. When I was little, my dad used to talk to me about the indigenous people on whose land we lived. He taught me that they were unfairly treated by European colonizers and were nearly wiped out by the white man's callous hatred for anyone that was different from them. I was very little when he started to educate me about these things and he made sure that as I grew up, I knew that indigenous people in Canada were not treated equally and that it was our duty to speak out when we saw mistreatment and stand up against bigotry and hatred of any kind. I remember that my house was filled with books about indigenous culture and history, and my dad used to paint portraits of Crazy Horse and Red Cloud, portraits that I still have and will link in the show notes if you're interested. It was not uncommon for my dad to be brought to literal tears when he spoke of the atrocities the Indigenous people in Canada faced. He used to take the stand in courtrooms in defense of Indigenous offenders as an expert witness. He was a crisis counselor, and I saw him walk the walk nearly every day of my whole damned life. I saw him stand up for minoritized people incessantly. I saw him fight corporations and government branches and organizations for funding for minoritized groups and at-risk people. I saw my dad develop a classroom program with my mom that put every kid on an even playing field, no matter their ethnicity, nationality, class, or level of ability, and saw each kid thrive in ways that normal classrooms couldn't achieve. He founded a post-release juvenile offenders program that saw a 0% recidivism rate and that benefited more than anyone else indigenous youth. Understand that there is not a racist or bigoted bone in either of my parents' bodies, and they taught my brother and me to be the same way. They taught us that it's not enough to just not be racist. You have to fight those who are and stand up when you see people being mistreated for who they are. They instilled in us a complete inability to shut up when things weren't right, which is why this podcast exists. They brought my brother and I up traveling the developing world so we didn't just hear from my parents how privileged we were. We saw it up close and personal. We were raised to understand that as people of privilege, it is our undeniable obligation to use that privilege for good. I have not always succeeded in this task and I am by no means perfect, but what I know and what my father taught me is that no matter what, we must always be learning, listening, and trying. If you'd have told me just four years ago that my parents would be following an inherently racist, homophobic, and transphobic ideology, I'd have laughed obnoxiously in your face. But here we are. My parents are fully down the Q rabbit hole. And when my brother and I try to explain to them how this worldview is racist, how it hurts people in the LGBTQ plus community, how it has already resulted in women losing basic human rights in the most developed country in the world, they deny it. They refuse to see the connection. I don't think they're alone in this kind of cognitive dissonance. I think it's a common thing amongst Q adherents 
And the first story we're gonna tell you in today's episode is a heartbreaking illustration of that. But first, let's get into why this episode is special. So when we started this podcast, we reached out to many different people to ask if they wanted to tell their stories to our listeners. We were prepared for lots of no's because let's face it, this isn't an easy thing to talk about. Telling the world you love a QAnon follower has so many potential repercussions. It's embarrassing to say it out loud and in public for many of us who are shocked that our otherwise intelligent and clear-thinking loved ones have fallen down this rabbit hole. You're also putting yourself out there for criticism. Whether you're still in your Q's life or you've cut ties, the know-it-alls out there are going to tell you that you're wrong after having just an hour-long glimpse into your life. It's hard enough to deal with losing your loved one to Q, but to then have trolls pile on and tell you that you're coping wrong is just next-level stress. On top of that, when you love someone, it's really hard to expose them like that, which is why so many of our interviewees prefer to remain anonymous and why we can't offer bonus video clips to our patrons from every episode. Finally, when you say anything anywhere on the internet about Q, the Qs are going to find that and they're going to have something to say and Qs are unhinged. It's a tough decision to willingly put yourself in the crosshairs of unhinged trolls all over the internet. So we expected that most people we asked to interview were going to say no. To our surprise, we found a lot of people who wanted to tell their stories. They explained that it was important to them to get this conversation into the mainstream, as well as help others with QAnon loved ones know that they're not alone. You've heard a lot of them already, and we have a lot more coming in the future, but we did get some no's, and we've been ghosted by a few more people, which is totally understandable. I can't really explain how exhausting it is to cope with someone you love who accepted these conspiracy theories as gospel, but I fully understand why some folks just don't want to talk about it anymore. However, some of the stories from people who have said no to an interview are still important stories, so we thought we would share some of them with you. At least the ones they themselves have shared publicly on QAnon casualties. So today, we bring you the stories we couldn't tell with an interview, but that are already fully public. These are some of the most shocking stories that truly took the wind out of us as we browsed the subreddit. They're not going to be easy to listen to, and we have to give a trigger warning before we get started. You're going to hear about racism in this episode, as well as references to a devastating school shooting. Please proceed with caution. When we come back, our first story is about a wife whose husband turns on her in an unimaginable way. We want to take this opportunity to thank our patrons. Without you, we couldn't make the show. You make it possible, so thank you. If you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash QDropped. The link is also in the show notes. And choose your tier. 
They start at just $3 per month, and patrons get access to plenty of extra clips from each episode, including some raw video clips of the interview itself. It's a great way to be able to put a face to a name. Thank you so much, patrons, and now back to this week's episode. The first story I'm going to tell you today is the story posted by Reddit user Jaded Blossom. This story is important because it shows that QAnon is also having a devastating effect on marriages and partnerships. This isn't just a boomer phenomenon, and QAnon doesn't just represent our parents. This is also incredibly disturbing because, like my parents, the Q believer in this story is a white man who doesn't seem to understand that his views are tied to far-right white supremacist thought. It's especially bad because the original poster, Jaded Blossom, is a black woman. The links to both of the stories that we're going to share with you today are in the show notes. Here's Jaded Blossom. I've been at my wit's end trying to explain what happened to my marriage to my family. Their advice is that there are just some things you don't talk about in a marriage, but what was going on absolutely needed to be addressed. I just need to get this off my chest. Anyway, I was happily married for five years. We were together for 13 years, if you include the time we dated. In 2016, he started watching Alex Jones and following all of the various conspiracy theories. Over a four-year period, it escalated from a casual, did you hear that? To, you've been brainwashed by. But that wasn't even the most painful part. When the Black Lives Matters protests were happening, he said that people needed to verbally express their concerns and not be violent. I explained that people have expressed concerns for years, but it has seemed as if no one is listening. So he asked me if I ever experienced anything. For context, I'm a Black African-American woman, and he is Caucasian. So I told him about the numerous times I've been discriminated against. One story in particular happened while I was in college in 2006. I was told that I was not allowed into a particular bar because they didn't want my kind there. I told my husband that barring entry based on race is racist. He said, I hear what you're saying, but where's your proof that this was racist? He then went on to say, how he doesn't believe racism exists, and that it's all just personal preference. I felt so betrayed and heartbroken. I feel there is no coming back from a comment like that. So, after nine years of marriage, we are currently separated and going through a divorce. Breakups are hard. Amongst the hardest things we have to deal with as adults. But imagine having no choice but to break up with your partner because they've transformed into someone you don't recognize. Imagine them once being your number one cheerleader, your support system, and your best friend. They were who you turned to when you had a stressful day, the person you relied on for comfort and companionship. They stood up for you, they saw you for who you truly are, and you loved them so much that you were willing to commit to them for life. Now, imagine one day that person suddenly turns into someone unrecognizable. 
Try to wrap your mind around how it might feel when that person is no longer your support, when the world is cruel to you, but is instead the source of that very cruelty. In a way, it's a fate worse than the death of your spouse, to have them turn on you with hatred because strangers on the internet got into their head. When I first read this post on QAnon casualties, I was overwhelmed with gratitude for my partner. He's the producer of this podcast, and he supported my brother and me through our parents' descent into QAnon madness unwaveringly. I don't have much other family. I have cousins who are scattered across the globe and caught up in their own lives. I have aunts and uncles who I don't know that I can trust to really understand what my brother and I are going through. I have friends who become visibly uncomfortable whenever I talk about any of this because they can't wrap their mind around it. My brother clearly understands, but he lives in another province and is raising a toddler with another one on the way. My support system is, in its entirety, my husband. I don't know that I could handle what Jaded Blossom is going through, and so I have a deep respect for her ability to distance herself from her toxic partner and carry on. That is no easy feat. Sadly, the second story in this episode isn't going to be any easier to listen to. We'll get to that after the break. The Q Drop Podcast is produced by Porthos Media, a Canadian independent audio, video, and written content company. If you're in need of audio or video production, editing, or copywriting, visit www.porthosmedia.net. The Q-Drop podcast theme song, Mother of Alice, is written, performed, and produced by Porthos Media, so get in touch if you need original music for your upcoming project. In order to truly grasp the gravity of this next story, we need to go back to Valentine's Day 2018. That's the day that a shooter walked into Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida and opened fire. The shooting became the deadliest mass shooting at a high school in the U.S. after 17 people died as a result. In the wake of this shooting, survivors founded the advocacy group Never Again MSD, which actively calls for more gun control. Leading the charge and probably the two most recognizable faces from this event were X Gonzalez and David Hogg, who has been extremely vocal and critical of the political response to the mass shooting problem in the United States. Naturally, the extreme right and conspiracy theorists jumped on the event right away with their sights on Hogg, Gonzalez, and the rest of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting survivors. The louder Hogg and his fellow survivors got, the harder they were hit with misinformation campaigns. Ted Nugent, the Plato-brained rock star and NRA board member, even publicly called them liars. Alex Jones, displaying his true colors and following the Sandy Hook playbook, compared these teenage activists who had survived one of the most violent events in U.S. history, Nazis, because of course he did. The scene hadn't even been cleared before conspiracy theorists were calling it staged and pointing to the survivors and bereaved as crisis actors. 
Imagine calling children who had just survived the most terrifying moment in their lives and who had just watched a crazed gunman murder their friends right in front of their eyes. Just imagine how morally bankrupt you have to be to call them crisis actors. Imagine how evil to your very core you would have to be to see grieving, traumatized kids and want to add to their grief. It is actions like this that often make me wonder if the human evolutionary line has split because I certainly don't feel like I'm the same species as someone who would do that. Most especially if that someone was the father of one of the survivors. Yes, you heard me right. The father of one of the survivors. Unfortunately, that's what the second story is about. Here is Reddit user throwaway 096283, who is a survivor of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting. I think my dad has gone fucking insane. It's going way too far, and I have trouble processing the last five months. He's always been very conservative, but now QAnon has consumed his life to the point where it's tearing our family apart, along with my mental health. Back in January, he saw the video of Marjorie Taylor Greene harassing David Hogg, another student, about the shooting being a false flag operation. And while my dad was already into Q, he'd never gone down that particular rabbit hole. And now he's convinced everything was a hoax and it breaks my fucking heart. He's done extensive research on body language and he claims he can tell the shooter is a radical commie actor who was paid to sacrifice his life in order to remove our guns. He's questioning why they released the interrogation footage, if not to further deceive the sheep believing everything they see. He also says the trial will be rigged, and the reason they're talking about the death penalty is to prevent him from ever talking, just in case. Even burgundy-colored t-shirts, what he wore, makes me uncomfortable, and he used to be so understanding that he stopped wearing it around me. That person is completely gone, and I miss him so fucking much. You're a real piece of work to be able to sit here and act like nothing ever happened if it wasn't a hoax. Shame on you for being a part of it and putting your family through it, too. He'll say stuff like that straight to my face whenever he's drinking, and I wonder if he'd still say it if he knew what it does to me. It's bringing back so much of my survivor's guilt, and I fucking hate him for it. I worked on it for so long. And now, once again, I feel like the biggest piece of shit for being able to have good days when there are parents still grieving. I can't take more of him berating me and purposely trying to trigger me to see if my PTSD is real or not. He's seen me break down and cry my eyes out multiple times, which I never did before. Sometimes I wonder if he's hit his head or had a fucking stroke because I almost can't believe it's the same person. What the fuck is QAnon doing to people? What's really fucked is that he knows I never want to hear about the shooter or see his face ever again. I've been very clear on that, and I always leave the room whenever he starts talking about him. I keep telling him to please stop, but there's no reaction or empathy. I practically begged my mom to give my dad an ultimatum to get professional help or move out. She's really timid and hates confrontation, so all she said was to try not being home so much and wait it out. I have no fucking idea how to deal with this. 
It's too painful for me to keep living like this, hearing his name almost every single fucking day and being accused of accepting money to be part of it. Even if my dad magically snapped out of this Q bullshit, I don't think I'd ever forgive him for putting me through this, and I was just recently starting to do relatively well. So fuck him for that, and fuck QAnon and Marjorie Taylor Greene for ruining my dad. Even though I've definitely felt like it, I don't think getting physical would do any good at all. I instead try to remind him to look back at the texts I sent when I was 100% sure the shooter was about to enter our classroom. I ask him to look me in the eyes and still argue I'm able to fake what I wrote in those messages. But no luck. Understand this is a child. Yeah, he's a teenager and he's older, but this is still a legal minor writing this post. He's someone who still needs his parents and who relies on the roof they put over his head, who is vulnerable in every way to the people who raised him. He needs safety and a welcoming home, especially in the wake of a trauma like this. His healing is dependent on having support around him, but instead he is forced to live under the same roof as a man who is accusing him of lying about the worst day of his life. This child is being accused of lying about the deaths of his classmates by his own father. Someone who is supposed to be the first person there in a crisis. Someone who is supposed to provide a safe place to retreat to when the world becomes too scary. Dads are supposed to support us, prop us up, and help us through the toughest times. Instead, this father is amplifying his son's grief, victimizing him over and over again, and somehow this kid is still powering on. I can't think of two more unbearable situations than the stories we've shared in this episode. In one, your partner who is once someone you trusted enough to commit your life to turns on you in the most hateful way. In another, the very people who gave you life, who are supposed to protect you from everything, are now piling on to the most pain and grief you've ever felt. And it's all thanks to QAnon. I often get people asking me why QAnon is such a big deal to me. How could it ever be something that threatens important relationships in my life? It's just conspiracy theories, right? QAnon is a big deal because of stories like these two. Every QAnon supporter in the world is complicit in the actions of the racist husband who destroyed his marriage of nine years. Every Q adherent is partly to blame for the father who accuses his own traumatized child of being a crisis actor. The Q in your life is enabling this. The Q in your life is propagating it, pushing it out there and spreading it. The Q in your life may be a victim themselves, but they are also the victimizer. Make no mistake that despite the fact that my parents spent every day of my childhood ensuring I understood colonization, oppression, privilege, and why we need to stand up when we see bigotry, despite the fact that my dad actively fought for the rights of the most vulnerable, they are a thousand percent complicit in the amplification of white supremacy today. Despite the fact that they refuse to see the connection between their insane theories and the empowerment of literal Nazis, that connection exists. 
Their lies are the same lies that led to the Nazi regime in Germany. The same anti-Semitic conspiracies that existed in 1930s Germany are here today, fueling QAnon and my parents and your cues are the fuel behind it. That is why it is a big deal. That is why we're desperate to pull our cues out of the rabbit hole. That is why we make this podcast. Because QAnon is just not okay. It's a threat to life as we know it. Fascism doesn't start with genocide. It starts with words. It starts with propaganda. And listeners, as much as it pains me to say it, it has started. I want to thank you for listening to this special episode of the Q Dropped podcast. Next week, we hear from Jane, a woman of color whose white QAnon mom bombarded her with racist content. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast platform or YouTube to get notified when that goes live. And be sure to become a patron for bonus material from each interview. Thank you for listening.